Live from Seville, this is The Twilight Show with Harry Waters and you are listening live. Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good morning, um, whatever time of day it might be for you, good that. Um, I hope that you're well, I hope you've been keeping well. We are um, we're under a bit of rain at the moment, which is very strange for, for here in Seville. We're not usually under the influence of rain, but that is our lucky status as it stands. So um, I'm, I'm pretty happy that the the water butts are filling and, and the, well, I'd say garden, we don't have much of a garden, but the, the roses are certainly being watered with some nice natural rainwater. And it's, it, it's nice to, to have because it hasn't rained for, for quite a while here. So that's how we are here in Spain. How are you where you are? I, I hope you're doing well. I'm sure you are. Um, how is the weather where you are? I'm just uh, logging in, in in all forms and all areas so so I can be heard from everywhere. Um, how has your week been? Mine's been fairly topsy-turvy. Um, on, a, on a personal level, um, it, was, it, was, it was quite a, a happy... I had I had mixed feelings about uh, about this week, particularly Tuesday. So I've uh, I've been uh, going to uh, a doctor for for many years since I came to Spain when I, I got I got ill a long time ago, and I've been going to see a doctor here for probably eleven years. You know, with with my annual checkups and this, that, and the other. So that's something that I, I've 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 done for such a long time, and I, I went to a new one actually. Because you know my case had been moved here or there or or somewhere else, and the the new one was absolutely fantastic. It was it was really exciting to to have somebody who was open and it wasn't just sit down and say how's your daughter everything's good here you go sign a piece of paper and leave. Um, I'll see you next year. He sort of stopped and said you should be coming more often. You should be. Uh, checking in with us once every three months not once a year so it was really nice to have somebody kind of stop me and say look everything isn't just rosy you know you need to be more cautious and more careful and um yeah so that was excellent news but also tinged with a hint of oh perhaps I've not been behaving properly Uh, so that was some news on a personal level on other levels um it has been quite fun this weekend actually I went to an incredible flamenco espectáculo, uh, spectacular show, I guess is what we'd usually call it, uh, down in Cadiz. It was fantastic. It was it was of two two dancers. It was called Interconexión, which, if you're any good at Spanish, you know that means interconnection. Um, and it was really nice because this these dancers are. My wife has known one of them for about 20-something years. Um, she used to dance with him when she was younger. But recently, she's she's taken done photo sessions with them and reconnected with them. And it, it was fantastic to see because, you know, I saw her photos for the for the cartel, for the poster to, to show it. You know, I had a kind of sense of what the show was going to be about. But they, they perfectly represented the show. It was absolutely... Um, it was nail. It was bang on the head. The photos were absolutely out of this world. So um, to go along to the show, I went with my with with my wife and daughter, and we went and enjoyed the show and had a, a nice walk around Cadiz and took some pictures. And it was just absolutely fantastic. A really nice way to to end the week, uh, as it were. And then, yeah, this week 
as I said, it's, on a professional level, it's been mostly about teacher training. I've had a few super fun classes this week. We've been writing a story with our lemons this week. We we had some big lemons and we decided to give our, our lemons. We gave one each to, to groups in our classes and said, do as you please with the lemon. You know, So we had an activity of um, this is a lemon, but what could it be? Uh, you know, it could be a pillow. It could be uh, a weapon. It could be a board eraser. It could. You could even turn it into cleaning products. Um, and then they, most of them decided, you know, it could be a pet. It could be a friend. So they all kind of gave names to their gave names to their different lemons, and they developed their character and their personality. And you know, they gave a quick show and talked about each of their lemons and where they came from and their favourite food and, and stuff like that. Hi there, Poppy. Nice of you to join us. A real pleasure. Um, so it was absolutely uh, delightful. And then today we've been working on a story that they've uh, they've been coming up with words for the alphabet just at random. And, and now they're putting together their story for their lemon. So it's quite exciting. And I'm interested and excited to see them in the next lesson um, when they when they can have a chat about them, work on them a bit more, and then if they want to, they can perform them to the class or read them to the class or share them with the class. So it's uh, it's been a long time building, but it's super fun and super exciting and, and really good to see uh, the students connecting with each other and just having a fun with a giant lemon, really. Um, so enough talk of citrus fruits. Um, very soon we'll be talking to um, a fruit that perhaps thinks it might be a vegetable. Um, more on that very soon, um, so don't go anywhere. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. the National Higher Education Conference, Unison Assistant General Secretary John Richards opened proceedings with a damning critique of the government's approach towards university education, according to Unison's own website. Mr Richards focused on out-of-touch ministers who failed to understand the current funding crisis and pointed out that the funding models across the UK seem to be broken. He cited the issue of limited government funding as causing a de facto cap on student numbers and accused the government of trashing the UK's reputation for higher education in Europe, leading to big drops in the numbers of overseas students. A story covered by Teachers Talk Radio News last week. Mr Richards went on to assert that those in government do not understand the cost of living crisis because they've never had to face it. Strike action by those working in the HE sector has been part of a wave of action taken by unions across a range of public sectors in recent weeks. The last week saw the release of details of government plans to revamp children's social care in England. BBC News reported on the plan for more early support for families and the extra £200 million funding for the next two years. Last year, a review warned that tens of thousands more children could end up in care 
without additional funding and reform. The planners face criticism that many of the changes are being rolled out as localised pilots rather than a national programme. The government plans to put families at the heart of the reform and intends to provide better support for all vulnerable children in order to reduce the need for crisis intervention. There will be pilots in 12 local authorities which will deliver more early support for families struggling with addiction, domestic abuse and poor mental health. There will also be more family type placement for children in care with relatives, friends or foster families. Other changes include plans to recruit more foster carers, a simpler process and more support for relatives or friends who take on children, a rise in the leaving care allowance and support for councils to recruit and retain more social workers. Economic Constitutional and Social Policy Forum Politea has published an article focusing on its views of the proposed changes to the school's history curriculum. The publication History, Whose History? The Battle for the School Curriculum features three historians' views on the proposals. The government's plan for reform came in response to recommendations from the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. The plan for a new model history curriculum for pupils to see themselves as integral parts of what makes up the UK today was proposed. The essays included in the publication focus in on the responses of a variety of academics who all appear to conclude that there is no need for the proposed changes because diversity is already built in the current programme. Further details of the publication and forum for debate can be found on the Politea website. Finally, a school principal in a rural part of Northern Ireland has expressed concerns over safety after it emerged that recruitment of lollipop men and women is being frozen. It comes as part of a drive to save money. The current power sharing deadlock in Stormont meant no budget could be agreed and significant cuts needed to be made. The principal of a rural primary school, Donna Winters, told the BBC that until recently there had been consistent crossing patrol staff that have been vital in making sure pupils can cross roads safely, but that they have not had staff since December. The school has had to resort to employing a patrol staff member directly and, when they are absent, teaching and support staff have to fill in. Ms Winters went on to point out that safety was not an area where cuts should be made. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safer Internet Week, with the official day being on the 7th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre focuses on Want to Talk About It, making space for conversation online. They've got loads of educational resources on the website saferinternet.org.uk, banded into 3 to 7, 7 to 11, 11 to 14 and 14 to 18 years of age. They are even translated into Welsh and have adapted resources for SEND and ALD. So... They have pretty much covered all bases. You need to take a look. But why do we need to get our young people talking about this? Well, let me try and give you an idea in one breath. <gasps> With an estimated 5.16 billion people using the internet, that's 64.4% of the world's population. It's estimated that around 500,000 predators pose a threat to young people daily, with the main target being 12 to 15-year-old children. With a quick search of statistics from the internet, I found supposedly 1 in 25 children will be manipulated in some way this year, and 80% of predatory behaviour will be through social media. This couple with only 15% of parents actually knowing what their children are doing online makes this an issue which definitely needs to be talked about with our young people. <gasps>
To get some perspective on this, every 60 seconds, TikTok users watch over 167 million videos. Data never sleeps. We need to know how to stay safe because the sheer volume of data means it cannot effectively be policed. Please send your thoughts amongst the 575,000 other posts every 60 seconds on Twitter at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello there and welcome back, everybody. Um, so thank you very much for the, the news and, and tech. That was pretty impressive there, Steve, with your 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 one breath statement. In fact, that's one of my favorite activities to do in my in my classes, uh, to encourage students to focus on more on fluency and less on accuracy and just say what they are thinking or say what's in their head in one breath. Um, so that's that. I'm going to introduce uh, our guest for today. It's somebody I've known for a few years now. Um, we'll talk more about our our origin story uh, very soon. Um, but Kanduk Kutik is a, a fantastic lecturer. Uh, she's a she's a trainer. She loves teacher training. She's uh, of course um, an English teacher. So I am going to unmute uh our favorite guest uh, of the day can you hear me i can hear you can you hear me oh i can hear you loud and clear there was that moment of nerves because I, your zoom video is turned off so i was sitting there thinking i wonder i wonder if she's going to hear me and there was that moment of panic and i froze but everything was okay um and now i'm no longer frozen i'm simply as cool as a cucumber <laughs> that you um, are indeed <laughs> I'm not sure how I managed to get that phrase in there. Um, how are you? Are you well? I'm very well indeed. It's rather cold, but I'm in a nice warm house. So what more could I ask for? And I've had dinner and I've got a glass of rhubarb spritzer with me. So oh, all wow. things are good. I, I am in a not very cold place outside, but instead it's very cold in the house. I haven't yet eaten dinner and I've got half a glass of water. So I'm guessing you're winning at the moment, that's for sure. Um, certainly top of the list. <laughs> um, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. I've been wanting to speak to you for, for quite a while. Um, and, and finally, we're, we're able to make it happen today. Um, so I'm excited to have you on. Um, but... I know a little bit about you, but our listeners, they don't know a huge amount about you. And unless they do, they, they may also know a huge amount about you. So as I like to ask all of my guests when, when they come on, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, but also involved in that, your journey through ELT? 60 seconds, elevator speech. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to give you 69 seconds because this elevator is one of those ones where it's about to close, but somebody jumps in the last second, so it opens again. So I'll, I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you between 60 and 73 seconds. Okay, fair enough. Um, or a teacher's so, minute if you want it. A teacher's minute, right. Breathe. Rubber yeah, time. it takes as, as okay. long as you want. <laughs> Um, okay, well, um, I I have a very windy journey into ELT. I um, when people ask me where you're from, um, I find that very difficult to answer because I'm your quintessential third culture kid. Mm -hmm. My mom is from Vietnam, 
I was born in Vietnam. My dad's from Germany. Um, we grew up, my brother and myself, we grew up in Singapore and English was the language of the home. Mm-hmm. So I did my whole schooling, kindergarten, all the way up to A-levels. I did all that in um, Singapore. And then um, I moved to Germany, not knowing a word of German, but knowing lots of English. So I moved to Germany, mm-hmm. um, did a couple of things. I worked at Subway, was fired because I was too short. I was a cook in an Irish pub. <laughs> because you were too fired. short? Yes. You know, you know those... Um, you know those coolers in Subway, and they, they've got all their little <laughs> things in two rows, right? Their little yeah. buckets of veggies, onions, whatever. Yeah. And they've got them in two rows, and I yeah. couldn't reach the one that was oh, furthest no. from me. And they said that I was a work hazard because people be tripping over me. Now, come on, I mean, I'm I'm not that short, and and people aren't as tall as you, so surely they'd see me. But you know, well, that's just unfortunate for them. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I, <laughs> Good for you. I lost that job. Um, I was a cook in an Irish pub for for a while. Um, I worked in a in the English video store in in Vienna. I took care of handicapped kids, and through a very roundabout way, I found myself in Germany, needing a job. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't want to work in pubs. I worked at Hagen does for a little bit, but I was eating the profits. um so then i saw this ad that that was a time you know in the uh, mid 90s where all you needed to teach english on the continent was to be a native speaker so i sold myself as a native speaker and since there were no profits to be eaten or no people to stumble over me i was hired to teach english (laughs) they were like well the high profile here well it, it doesn't matter she's a she's a teacher she, <laughs> she can reach whatever she wants perhaps you might not reach the top of the whiteboard but that's fine um so that was how you began in elt so at that point you were and i'm gonna say this i hope it causes uh controversy at that point you were just an english teacher oh he I, said it oh he said it. oh he said it yes <laughs> yes I mean, at, at, at that point, though, it's true. I was in my youth. I was, what, 24, 25, and, and I was just the English teacher. If, if you're teaching Berlitz, right? So that's where I started. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it because Berlitz, they train you up. Mm-hmm. So you were trained in the Berlitz method. I think we did three days, and then you had all the Berlitz books, and it was all PPP, you know, present, practice, and can't remember the last P and then you just did it. And that's what it was. It was just teaching English. You didn't talk about other things. You know, they threw you into a classroom. You weren't allowed to speak um, German to the students. So there was none of that translanguaging using the students L1. Uh And it was just, you go teach them the present perfect. You go teach them this and that. And um, that, that was, it was exciting in the beginning. Yeah but unsatisfactory after a point. It, it, that reminds me a lot of, um, now when I was, uh, start, when I started teaching, I, in about my third year of teaching, I, I went to Vietnam and I worked in four different academies. I worked seven days a week, just, you know, earn as much money as I could basically. And one of the academies that I taught, 
they said, oh, we use the direct method. And I was like, oh, I wonder what the direct method is, oh. you know, in my third year of teaching, thinking, you know, I hadn't heard of many methodologies anyway. Um, and it was, it was, I couldn't believe it. It was uh, an overhead projector with the uh, overhead projection sheets with maybe 15 sentences. And all we did was drill those sentences. And then they'd repeat the sentences they'd learned at the end of the class. And that was literally it. There were there was one overhead projection of phrases and we just read them to them. They read them back. Often I'd be going through there with my permanent marker, correcting the errors that were on the overhead projection. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, this is this is not this is not okay. And that was the typical, you know, you have to be a native teacher to come and work yeah. here as well, where, you know, because they all they want is the accent. And it's like that is even at that stage, I was like, this isn't fun. This isn't motivating. And this isn't useful. This is just yeah. parroting. So I, I can completely empathize with you in that moment of uh, of your, your, your Berlitz moment, as it were. Yeah, that was like, um, I suppose it didn't help. I mean, um, I made a lot of money. Um, in Germany, Berlitz don't have a good reputation because they pay below minimum wage and they only hire freelancers. But mm -hmm. if you did as a student, it was good money because, you know, you could do a load of hours. Um, they used to have these immersion intensive courses where students would come in, you know, at nine o'clock and they'd stay there till three o'clock. Um, you'd go to lunch with them. Berlitz would pay for your lunch. So obviously for a student, that was the best um, holiday job so to speak yeah. right you just go speak english to somebody all day get your lunch paid for and I, I made a lot of money i made a lot of money that covered me you know helped me get through the semester but i found that what i was doing in practice was kind of like at odds with what i was you know studying or learning in my studies i i, I was a student then eventually i i I studied in Dusseldorf at the University of Dusseldorf and I was studying um, philosophy, linguistics and English. And mm -hmm. I was getting all this knowledge and all this stuff. And I thought, well, you know, these English lessons, they're so boring and they're so <laughs> static and, you know, and that's that. And then that's where things just changed and changed for me, you know, kind of I decided, well, if I'm going to do this, then I want to do it better and see how else I could do it. Yeah, it is so important in a way as well to experience that that way of teaching. Um, you know, it's nice to go, you start in an amazing place where you're trained by amazing people and, and everything is roses. Um, that's lovely. But it is also important to have that kind of other side of the coin and be able to look at those students and then look at, you know, your students now um, and think, of the difference they're getting for, you know, effectively the same amount of money. You know, they're mm. they're not probably not paying any more or less than than they would have back then, like relatively. So, um, it's it's kind of important to experience that as well. So you went from Berlitz and you 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 trained, uh, you studied, you then you know you said you were studying in Dusseldorf. What happened next? So I did my degree, and um, as part of my degree we had the opportunity to go um to the university of wisconsin madison mm -hmm. and uh, my professors suggested that i apply um the thing is um at university i 
I've never really told anybody I, you know, that uh, I was a native speaker of English. That was back then. That was also that. Oh, you know, a native speaker of English is tall, blonde, blue eyes. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not this short. And they're all Vietnamese. called John <laughs> Smith, surname yeah, Smith. Exactly. Um, not this Vietnamese girl who gets, you know, eats the profits at Hagen or gets fired from Subway. Obviously, um, so. You know, so many people used to say to me, "Oh, wow, your English is so good," and and so I didn't tell anybody. So, <laughs> I I have to say, um, I'm not proud of it, but I took advantage of it because I got extra marks for writing my term paper so well in English, even though, you know, <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, exceptional. It, that is brilliant. And, I love it. And and then at the same time, people go, "Oh, yeah," and and you know, your mm, your German's so good because they all thought, you know, if you kind of short and Asian looking, all you spoke at home was some, you know, obscure Asian language. And, you know, they, people, there's, there's this, there's this cliche, isn't it? These um, yeah. myths people have, you know, or look at someone and then we put them in a box. Oh, that's, you know, that person's from Asia. And if that person's from Asia, that person's language can only be Chinese and, you know, and, never oh heard of, my gosh. never heard it's... of Tibetan or, Oh, it's, and, it's absolutely crazy here in Spain. It's exactly the same. It's 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 Chinese. Everything is Chinese. Everything sort of you know a, anywhere beyond India is Chinese. Mm, that, yeah, and that's how they consider it here. So yeah, um, I imagine it was similar back then. And, but you took advantage of it. So well done. I, well I, done. You know, this problem solving, twenty first century skills. You know, exactly. way back in the nineties. <laughs> Exactly, using your initiative. It was, you know, it was something you should be proud of. Um, yeah, good job. So thank you, what thank happened you. after Wisconsin? Well, so I applied and that's where things really changed because I applied, I did I did British A levels. Mm -hmm. I was a native speaker of English, but the system, the online registration system just would not take my application. I had to do a TOEFL test. And I refused okay. to do a TOEFL test because I had uploaded my British GCE A-level results. Mm -hmm. um, I was studying for a degree in English. Why does it want me to have a TOEFL test? And I thought, no, this cannot be happening. This is just a joke. And that, that was a point for me where I thought, you know, all these third culture kids, how, you know, how do they feel? You know, they, they mm -hmm. don't fit in any box anywhere and and the system just has that you know you're male or you're female you're white or you're asian if you're asian you're chinese you know um yeah. and and that really got to me so i um i don't know i probably kicked the computer or something and i said well i'm not going there if if they if they can't see that you know to be a native speaker of english you you don't have to be white blonde blue eyed and have a name like uh -huh. Jane Smith, I'm not going there at all. Oh, so I, yes. I toddled along. I completed my degree. I got a job um, teaching English at universities in Germany, at various universities, built up, you know, um, developed, got more work experience, kind of professionalized myself. Um, and then um, went to England, got a job at in Canterbury at the University of Kent. Well, that's you where said I went. you were from Kent. Yes. That's where I went. That was my university, yeah. 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 So um, I was in 
um, the department I was in, we were housed in Keene's College. No, nice. that's, where, that's where my dorms were. Oh, I remember <laughs> one time our washing machine at home wasn't working. And I used to come in and put, put a load on in the morning before work and take oh, yeah. clean clothes home with me. <laughs> I never did that. I never put my clothes in the washing machine when I was. I remember proudly ringing my brother one day and said, "I just used the least dirty plate I could find." Um, uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, not something I should be admitting now. I don't think. <laughs> no, not not on public radio. No, yes. Exactly. So and um, you know, working in the UK with, you know, with their standards and quality assurance and all that, I think that for me was was a big turn a big opportunity in my life because um you know they were very big on professional development qualifying yourself further and i got to do an ma in tesol mm -hmm. i learned massive i learned a lot at ukc uh, i mean working at ukc you know um developed a sense of pride in what i was doing got to teach so many different courses got into eap ended up doing not just teaching English. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you really point you, you got nailed on a point there The you became proud of what you were doing, you know, you had pride in your work. And, and that's a huge thing when it comes to well, any industry, to be honest, any profession, you know, if you don't, you're not proud of your work, then you're not going to enjoy it. But I think, particularly with, you know, TEFL teaching, let, let's call it, it's it is looked down on a lot by a lot of people for various reasons you know yeah. some in in inverted commas real teachers think oh well that's not you know they're not real teachers because they haven't done this that or the other um or a lot of other people look at tefl teachers as they it's just a tourist who wants to be able to travel around so this is what they're doing maybe that is the case for some of them however like the talk of it being just a teacher, it's its so far beyond being just a teacher. Um, and we'll talk about that very soon, because I do have a few questions about that. But before we do talk about that, there's something I'd like to talk about about you. Um, that's pretty spectacular, let's be honest. Um, My love for tomatoes? Your love of tomatoes, that's also coming up very soon. But just before we get to the love of tomatoes, can you tell me about being teacher of the year? I did not see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. My kids would say that's last year's news. Well, <laughs> but it's, it's to me that it's always relevant. If you've ever been nominated, if you've ever been uh, given the teacher of the year, for me, that's forever. That's true. That's true. That for me was, is just wow. I, when, when, when I first heard, when I was first informed, I, I don't know, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, what, who, me? You know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, the competition was tough. It was rigorous. You know, you applied. Um, I mean, you've done Elton's and, and other things. And, you know, I mean, it's not just somebody pulling your name, putting your name in a hat and pulling it out. Oh, it really isn't just You know, that. but um, it it was it gave me a, that additional pride sense that what i was doing you know was recognized by the wider community it's, and it's, um it's incredible i had my 
I had my students behind me. I mean, I, uh, I have a very, very good relationship with my students. They cost me a lot of heartache and headache, you know, but I talk to them and I tell them, I say, look, I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and I told them I was applying for this and for the award. And I asked them if they, you know, support me. And they, they wrote, they wrote references, they wrote feedback. We collated that. Um, when I read their feedback, I, I remember back then I thought, oh my goodness, I did not see that coming. I did not know that that's what you think of me and, and that's how I've influenced you. And um, that has inspired me to do bigger things and other things, not just teaching English. It's For me, um, I had a very kind of eye-opening sensation just today actually um it's in no way on any scale the level of what you're talking about um but the i got a package from a, a class in poland and they'd all like they'd all written letters saying thanks for renewable english and thanks for the classes and they really mm -hmm. enjoy them and for me th that today was something that meant more than any other thing that i've ever got or ever done like it meant more to me. So when you were describing winning the award, it felt to me like, yes, winning the award gives you the pride. But when you were reading their feedback, that's the real moment of, yeah, wow, this is worth it. Not I've been given this award, but wow, my students really get a lot from my classes. Yeah, uh, I reflect on that all the time. Just, you know, and, and I still have... Um, I have a massively good relationship with with all those. I mean, they were kids back then when I applied. They were kids. They were, you know, fresh out of school and everything. And and now they're, you know, going into their MA, you know, mm -hmm. in their teacher training. They're going out to school. And we have, um, it's, it's not all on me. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do all that if it wasn't for them. Because what I do, I do for them. And... I think, you know, the little bits that they wrote that showed me that that they valued it, even though, you know, they sometimes they look at you and you kind of think it's in the syllabus, read it yourself. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. Um, now, now, we met um, a few years ago. Uh, I think it was it was certainly around pandemic time. Yeah, um, definitely. When there was lots of online bits and bobs. Um, and this was very soon after I went freelance, actually. Yeah, that's right. You you did a workshop for my teaching association. Oh, people go. Um, I'd used Zoom for quite a while. Um, and then was the focus of of one of the, the things that i was doing teacher training for and you invited me to do a teacher training um with your teachers didn't you that's right yep with with our teaching association here in in germany and and, and you we came, came along with, with my with friend Owen. ewan yeah ewan. and he he's now a teacher he's now a real teacher yeah he's a real teacher in a real school Teaching not English like us, then. in a real school. No, yeah, he's not like us fake teachers um, <laughs> who work in you know <laughs> universities and things like that. Um, so yeah, we, we came along and we didn't we did a few activities, but but one of them was was about renaming ourselves and and 
and being used as that name to use the naming function, the rename function in Zoom. And and the the idea of this was to use vocabulary for the classroom. And we went with kitchen vocabulary, I believe. Um, and we also went with the first name. It didn't have to be Mr. or Mrs. We could do whatever we wanted. And you chose the name. Tomato. DJ Tomato. DJ Tomato. And it for me, it absolutely stuck. I mean, the next time I spoke to you, I just said, hi, DJ Tomato. And then from there, it's just seemed to carry on. And now when I was thinking about today's show, I was talking to my wife and I was like, Oh yes, it's great. I'm speaking to DJ Tomato tonight. And she just looked at me like, "What are you talking about? Who's DJ Tomato?" I was like, "Oh, you know, DJ Tomato, the the Tea Teacher of the Year." <laughs> just looking at me like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" But yeah, it kind of stuck, and it was, I don't know. It, I I love it now. I I love it. It's it's fantastic. Well, that activity that activity stopped with me and and actually many of the ones that you'd introduced us to because like you said we were in the middle of the pandemic so I still had all my university students with me online and we did that with the DJ something or other and and uh, they had a lot of fun with that exactly because you know? I, I think one of the big things about you know when everything went online and stuff this that was one of the huge areas when it became you know being more than just a teacher uh, that was yeah. one of the areas where, you know, that was a moment where t where students escaped their their confinement and were there with their with their classmates, with their teacher, and it was it was a moment of escape from from all the craziness. It, it was for us as well. So, in that instance, uh, for me certainly, the the importance of the language that I was teaching, the words I was giving them, kind of dropped out quite a bit, and it was more about their well-being and making sure they were okay and they were able to kind of connect with other people. Not saying I stopped teaching them, of course, but, you know, that kind of extra added emphasis came came on top. Yeah, and I mean, for them, having just people to talk to because um, I don't know how how things were in Spain. I'm, when we met, that was our first pandemic year, I believe. Mm -hmm. And in Germany... Um, the lockdown was was pretty harsh, so kids were not in school. Um, you know, it was everything was done from home, and that was even before the schools got you know um, Zoom or whatnot. And in Germany, you have very very strict data protection laws and things like that. Things like that, so they couldn't just you know set up Microsoft Teams or Zoom and say let's meet. So the cohort of students that I had that year they you know had did their a levels entirely isolated had no classes mm -hmm. i think for the last couple of months um had no one to talk to that's what many of them said you know they they didn't know how how to work with zoom they were shy they were self-conscious um and you know activities like the ones that you showed us you know, it didn't matter to me if 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 we didn't do what I would normally do in 90 minutes face to face at the end of the day it was just touching base, seeing how they were, you know, having a laugh. If if we had to go a bit slower on the syllabus, if I had to pare it down, then I would because um, they needed it. Yeah. You know, yeah, they, they really did. Um, 
And it was great. It was a lovely way to kind of meet you and, and connect with you because it was at the time when I was, you know, starting with Renewable English and, you know, my my freelance career was kind of at this this crossroads. Um, uh, but I, I still continue to do other training sessions that aren't solely based around the environment um, just because I, I still love teaching and I love teacher training, um, as do you, don't you? I do. You see, I don't just teach English. Um, well, I, I got into teacher training really just accidentally. I mean, when I'd never done teacher training until I came to Germany in, in my current job. I've been here um, now 11 years, going on 11 years. And um, I was just thrown into these courses. And these were all, you know, young people who are studying on a bachelor B. Ed degree, you know, training to become public school teachers. And mm -hmm. then I realized, number one, I knew very little about teacher training, apart from having been trained myself as a teacher, you know. Um, so like everything else, whether it was making subway sandwiches or <laughs> cooking in an Irish pub or, you know, doing fancy Hagen das you know, Sundays, I just taught myself, didn't I? I mean, it was harder than, than Subway sandwiches, definitely. But I, <laughs> well, I, it depends on how far away the ingredients were. <laughs> exactly, and how short or tall you are. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so in the beginning, I read up a lot. There was not a lot of self-study material for teacher trainers. You know, um, mm -hmm. the courses that I was given, and I've been doing the same now for um 11 years um the the one course is called um classroom language skills so that's language english language skills for teachers you know things like giving instructions dividing the class up and things like that then i have a course grammar for english teachers and those are my two babies really and then i have an essay writing course which is easy enough but um you know to design a course that's not just language, but also that gives them the language for teaching. That's not easy because you don't have that. You don't have that on the CELTA. I've never done a Delta, so I couldn't say myself. Uh, you don't have that on an MAT. So, you know, the MAT, so I did was very linguistic space, mm -hmm. very applied linguistic space. So, um, but I enjoyed it. And then I found that um, if, you know, I can do it with my students. You know, there are probably other people in Germany who are in the same position, you know, people who are looking for professional development, wanting to do better, wanting to learn more. And that's how I, I got into my teaching association and started now, to organize training. Indeed. Now, I want to look at the main question. Now, I'm going to look at it in a very English teachery way. Um, because after all, I am just an English teacher. So I'm going to ask you some questions, but I'm going to use stress to make the, word, the, the, the question different, asking for a different response. So for example, um, oh, you're just an English teacher is the sentence. Okay. Oh, mm -hmm. you're just an English teacher. That's the sentence. Um, so I'm going to say in a different different way and i'd like to see how you respond to it so oh you're just an english teacher how would you respond to that one 
Me. With the emphasis on, yeah, you, yeah, you're just yes. an English teacher. Well, I would say me, <laughs> but <Yeah>. I, <laughs> I may be just an English teacher, but I am a darn good English teacher. Exactly. And then you whip out the <laughs> award and you shove it in their face. Um, I think now the one that's slightly more important than that one. Um, so the, the next one is, oh, you're just an English teacher. You're just an English teacher. Now, that for me has many different connotations with it. So um, how would you respond to that one? I'm not just an English teacher. It's got a lot of negative connotations, though, when you when you um, put the emphasis on the just. It, re it really has. It has negative mm. connotations in the fact that, A, it's, it's just English as in it's the only subject. B, it's just English. I mean, it's only English, not even a proper subject. C, mm. the fact that being an English teacher is, you know, not really a thing. So that's that's what really gets me when there is that emphasis on the just. So you're just an yeah. English teacher. I Obviously, I'm more than an English teacher. So what would you come back with? What things more than just an English teacher is an English teacher? Or can an English teacher be if they go beyond the Berlitz or the direct method? What other things can we be? Well, we're influencers, of course. Um, we are also listeners. We mm -hmm. are very good listeners. I think um, with a lot of the work that we do, and my husband's also just an English teacher. But, you know, with the pandemic and being at home, and he teaches in adult education, so he's got all his classes um, online and I hear his end of the classes and when I hear the conversation it's it's almost we're almost like therapists mm -hmm. <laughs> you know I mean especially in adult education and you know my husband's students are intermediate so b1 b2 and and they talk about their families they talk about their work and and he listens and he gives them the vocabulary and I don't know he's he's got this um He's very talented. He he just he goes. They go off on so many tangents, and five minutes to the end of class, he goes, "All right, we've got to finish up now, and let's see. This is the vocabulary we did, and these are the new words you learned." And I, you know, lie in bed or sit at my desk, thinking, "Oh wow, he he just really wrapped that up really nicely." You know, so we're therapists. Um, I listen to my students a lot. You listen to your students a lot. Um, hundred percent. I think that point you made as well, like particularly with adult education, um, a lot of the time, you know, learning English can either be an absolute necessity that they have to do for their job. So they feel forced to go along there. So if they have that kind of listening ear and opening up about, you know, the, the issues they're having or just their day in general, you know, it's a, a place where they've escaped and, you know, they're, they're letting go of their work troubles or, or whatever it is. You know, you can show them that it is a safe place and you know, they can also enjoy it. It doesn't have to be just for work. And then there's the other adults who do go along just as like a hobby. And it's really mm -hmm. nice when you see them in the class. It's just there to enjoy it. And it does turn into, like you say, a therapy session. Yeah. I mean, and we're cheaper than therapists, aren't we? Oh, boy, are we cheaper, <laughs> we're cheaper than most things, to be honest. Um, and, um, and, I mean, English teachers, depending on who you teach, sometimes you're also guides. You know, I guide my students. I, um, 
I tell them my class is finished last week. And when I wrapped everything up, I said to them, I said, you know, the stuff that we've learned, we've, we've barely, you know, scratched the surface. I'm here just to guide you. You now have an idea of what, you know, what kind of language you need for the classroom. You know where to go and find out more. You know what you need to do for yourself. Um, you know, so I'm here, you know, kind of giving you the roadmap. You know, I'm not just saying this is the language you need. I've given it to you and you're kitted out for life so you know we guide them um you encourage them you give them advice i mean that's what i do a lot um with my students and um when i see what you do as well you know um giving people an awareness of you know in your case you know environmental issues um mm -hmm. through the medium of english you know, that's, that's a game changer. That's uh, when I think back to back in the day in the eighties or nineties, when people were teaching English, it was about, you know, this is what an English breakfast is like. And, you know, you're <laughs> reading about, about the Smith family, yeah. parents, two kids go to school, you know, mom stays at home and cooks Sunday lunch and things like that. And, and we don't do that anymore. We, we talk about global issues in our classrooms. I think that's you know? one of the, so... the most important factors that we that we have here. And, and with the medium of English, it is something that is truly global. You know, it is a, it is a global lesson in you know, every country you go to, you know, there's going to be English is going to be taught in in one way or another. Um, so having that medium to, to talk about truly global issues is really important and not just like you say, this is an English breakfast. This is what English people eat. Um, or <laughs> let's talk about Guy Fawkes night. Guy Fawkes night. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it was a great idea and everything, but you know, let's not talk too much about that on on air. Not with the government <laughs> that the UK has at the moment. Might give somebody an idea, um, but you know, you know what I mean. It was all of the culture, um, and this is until very, very recently. When things are starting to change now, as you say, like in, in textbooks and in courses, but up until very recently, it was also British or American centric, wasn't it? And very English language centric. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if, if you remember, um, I can't remember what textbook series it was, but when it came out, it was all very wow um, because they had, um, they had David Crystal write some of the reading um oh, yeah. text for that and it was all very wow and it was all about you know the english language um there was one with the english language the english english as a global language um and then they had those stuff about australia so that was wow that was wow back then because you know um you weren't talking about you know the smith family who lives in london or you know the who knows adams family who lives in wisconsin um, but you were you were looking at, you know, English as a global language. So, you know, there were there were units about India, um, about Australia. So, you know, outer circle Englishes and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it was all still very English, e you know, very yeah. English culture, Anglo American remember, culture based. Yeah, I remember when I was when I just 
sort of settled in Spain kind of thing, I, I decided to take up a few um, open university modules to, to learn more about English and, uh, and, and the way it worked. Because by that point, I kind of stopped and realized Spain is where I, I had to be, as I did have to be mm-hmm. here. Um, but also, you know, I, I loved it. And I did a course that was called um, Worlds of English. And it was all about the different Englishes across the world and, you know, in all these different places. And I found it very eye-opening, particularly when I got back to the textbook and looked in there. And again, the pronunciation, brilliant for me because it's just how I sound. Um, But for, you know, 99% of English speakers, they don't sound like that. So it wasn't it wasn't relevant in any way, shape or form. So Mm. me going into the class and modeling that was was great for publicity for the school, as it were. But it wasn't actually great for the students because it was just me teaching me. Hey, everyone, this is how you like me. Nobody wants to be like me. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, so that's that's us as as English teachers, you know, and and I I don't it's when I think about it, it's quite interesting how you know when when I think about how other teachers introduce themselves, and I've been thinking about that a lot. And somebody, you know, you have a group of friends, and somebody goes, "Oh, what do you do?" Then you'll have one person who goes, "Oh, I'm a primary school teacher." Oh, I'm a secondary mm-hmm. school teacher. They never say what subject they teach, you know. Um, they just go, "I'm a." <laughs> or kindergarten teacher. And then you don't have somebody in adult education who goes, oh, I'm in adult education. They don't do that. <laughs> you know, no, they're a teacher. <laughs> that, you know, I'm an English teacher. And I think people just don't know what to make out of an English teacher job because you don't have a straight path, a straight career path. And I mm-hmm. think, especially, you know, with, the work that you do, the work that I do, other people I know who are doing the same work, um, they, I'd say, I'm going out on a limb here, but I think 80% of those people, like you and I, did not set out to become English teachers after we left school. No, no, we didn't. And it was, it was a confusing path, um, one that involves Subway for you. I actually had pizza yep. on mine. Um but yeah, they, it's a very confusing path. Now, DJ Sam has is calling in to ask a question. So I'm going to see if I can connect us to DJ Sam. Or is, is DJ, his or her, or their, sorry, their um, call has disappeared. So um, they're no longer calling in. So thank you for calling in, DJ Sam. If you would like to call in, do feel free. Sorry, I interrupted you there, um, DJ Tomato. It was very rude of me. Um, it was DJ Sam calling in, you see. We were all DJs together at the same time. Oh, um, absolutely. I think we should just so, be called DJs from now. Exactly. Instead of teachers, what do you do? I'm, I'm a DJ. I'm an ELT I'm an DJ. English DJ. Yeah, I'm, I'm an, an English, English DJ. Because sometimes I feel that's that's what I do in class. You know, I, I shift the tables and I, you know, move from one screen to another. Yeah. All sorts of different things. I think it's you, you made a really going. important point. Yeah, always. I love music. Um, I think you made a really important point, and that was one of the the introducing ourselves thing. Um, and this is often where, for me, one of the big issues. It's not necessarily the the pride in the work, but the you know kind of walking around with that label. And it is often the the English teachers or the 
the the tefflers, as I, as I like to call them, um, <laughs> who come in and they say, oh, I'm just an English teacher. And it is that view of themselves. You know, it's not even somebody putting that view on them. They kind of walk in there and they're like, ah, oh, that's what I do. Oh, I'm figuring out my life. And people always think that if you're a TEFL teacher, you're in that stage of, I'm figuring out my life. I don't really know what I want to do yet. So that's what I'm doing. Don't get me wrong. Those people exist. But those people mm. also exist in Subway. Those people also exist in Pizza Hut. Those people also exist in the marketing department of, I don't know, Harrods. You know, they, yeah. those people exist everywhere. Mm. So I really don't like it when people say to the, about themselves, I'm just an English teacher. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. I mean, because also whether, even if they're, you know, doing it to find themselves and, you know, if they're in between jobs and they've got a job teaching English, they, they do so much more. I mean, school teachers, they work within a curriculum. The curriculum is given to them. They've got the materials they need. You know, they've, 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 they've been very, very lucky to have all that training available to them. And English teachers, they have to do so much more on their own. They have mm -hmm. to forge a path on their own. I mean, sorry, yeah. no offense to any school teachers listening in, but school teachers, you, you know, if let's say if you were, you know, in the UK, you do your BA, then you do your, your, your teacher training, you get your qualified teacher status, and then you go into a school and, you know, you work your way up to, you know, form teacher, head of form and so on and so forth. But English teachers, you, you've, you've got to find your niche. You, you know, there's, and, yeah, and there's no like because... career, you can't see a clear career path. A lot of people go into it and then think, oh, well, I'll be the director of an academy. And then they kind of think that's that's it. That's the limit. Yeah. They see that as the glass ceiling. They don't see kind of beyond that. Yeah. And, you know, and and I mean, school teachers, you have your your professional development offered to you. You've got your appraisals and all that. And and in many places of the world, Teflers you know, EFL teachers who work in various different schools. I mean, some are, you know, are, are on less than minimum wage. They don't have unions. Um, they don't write have their a secure contract. They don't have There's secure no, contracts. You have a nine-month contract. I mean, who can live in a world where you get paid for three quarters of the year? It's not, it's not normal. And then it's three months yeah. of see if you can find something. It's like, you know, I remember I got to a point when I had – 10 years of experience and you know I'd been a teacher trainer for three or four years and and it got to a point where one summer I was there I was there was no job and it's like well my yeah. wife was was an English teacher at the time as well we had it we, we have a daughter you know mm -hmm. we, we had to eat and it was like well you've got to go and find work somehow to work for these next three months otherwise well unlucky basically um, there isn't that security to you know to know that you have this contract and, and to have it written in so I have another question to ask you, but it, it, just for a moment, we're going to shoot off for two minutes. And when we come back, I will ask you some more questions. Okay, then. And now I just need to move the mouse and start the ad. There we go. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. 
And we are back. So hello again. Um, it was much less than two minutes. Uh, I said two minutes. It was. It was not. It was more like thirty-eight seconds. Um, yeah. So I, 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 yeah. I apologise. I know you'd you'd run off to to brush your teeth or do some juggling, and I interrupted your your tooth brushing juggling Make some moment. Some ketchup so. or tomatoes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's it's what you do. It's what they say. It's what you do best. But but I, I think your your pizza sauce is definitely your your finest. Um, so we we mentioned we've mentioned quite a few times this. You know, you're just an English teacher, and we've talked about the other aspects that we bring. You know, the the therapist, the bringing in other learning, the global issues. Um, and again, whether it's from the teacher's point of view or from an external point of view of being just a teacher. Now, there's one thing you have to think of, whether you're just an English teacher or whether you're an English teacher or whether you're an educator or whether you're a language facilitator or whether you're a learning coach. Whatever you are, whatever you're doing in this respect, you have students. Um, and at the end of the day, they are the most important people in all of this. Um, you are not doing this for for you. You know, you are not doing this for your manager. You're not doing this for your director of studies. You are doing this for your students. And when you go into the classroom, it's for them. Whether you're in a, a primary school or a state school or a paid school, it doesn't matter how much the students are paying to be there, um, whether they're there for free or not. They are there. So they are what's important. Um, so, and we talked about the satisfaction of our students and the feedback we get from our students being important. I think no matter where you stand on, am I just a teacher or not, we all have to bring it back in and focus on the students. Right. I got a bit ranty there, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, where, <laughs> where's that question? <laughs> there wasn't a question. It was just a statement and then I didn't ask you. Um, so, yeah, the question that I so tactfully avoided, um, how can we help? those people who think they are just an English teacher, how can we help them refocus that onto their students? Because if you're going into a classroom thinking, I'm just a teacher, you're not going to give it your all and it's not fair to your students. So how can we help them? Well, I mean, I think we just have to go in and, and oh, well, it starts with waking up. You wake up and you ask yourself, you know, what am I? doing and what what do I want to do, you know, in these 90 minutes, you know, I can just go in and teach the tenses and go away and say, Oh, well, I'm a, you know, just um, an English teacher, but um, I'd say it has to start with the person, I think it really, really does start with the person because I could have carried on thinking, yeah, you know, I'm a native English speaker and a you know, this is the one job that hasn't fired me because of my height or me eating the profits. Uh, I'm in this job because I'm a native speaker. Um, but it's just more than that. And maybe, you know, they it's it's a little bit idealistic, but asking them to, you know, have a look at their students, look in their students' eyes and, you know, ask themselves what what change can I make with them today? Mm -hmm. I think it, it, it can dreamy, get... It's dreamy, isn't it? Well, it, but it's true. Like it, it's, it's often hard, particularly... I remember, you know, when I uh, started teaching and, and when I moved, particularly when I moved to Spain, 
Um, there were a lot of other British teachers here. I mean, there are fewer now because it's much more difficult to get a job here. Um, but there were lots of British teachers. And now, you know, the British having having worked in, in the UK. Um, and we're not great at being sincere. You know, usually mm -hmm. there's a hint of sarcasm to absolutely everything. So when you are working with people who perhaps they are doing the job as a as a between job or perhaps, you know, they're finding themselves or, or they're doing it to travel, often they kind of get into this mindset of, well, I'm not paid enough, so I should be paid more, so I'm not really going to work very hard. Um, and then you try and talk sincerely about the the students. And, and what I often got from a lot of the, the teachers that I was training was, well, my students don't really care anyway, and it's not their money anyway, it's their parents' money that, that's being wasted. And it was really hard to kind of stop and, and be sincere with them and say, uh, you know, hey, that's not really okay because the students that it's not their fault that they're not paying for the lessons it's it's they are there to learn whether they want to be there or not that's what they're there for so i find it really difficult to to kind of connect with teachers on that level and to get them to stop but and look Harry, at themselves you can't you can't save everyone you can't you really can't you know i mean i I do remember when I first moved, um, well, when I was working in UKC, I was teaching on the foundation program and we had many students there who would like to get through the year doing mm -hmm. as little work as possible, right? Just, you know, euphemism for many things. Um, you know, young kids who didn't, yeah, whose parents, you know, they, they were all, I had many who were from the Arabian Peninsula or from China, you know, wealthy families. And um, you had, you had, you, I had a mix of people who, who didn't care and who assumed, well, I'm just here for the year. And then, you know, if I don't pass my foundation program here, there'll be some other university somewhere else who'll take me. Um, the thing is, though, is the job satisfaction. You can be in your job, whatever job you're in. You can go in at nine and leave at five and you can be the unhappiest person and just do it for the money. Or you can say, well, look, I'm here. Let's see what I can make out of it. You know, yes, life it, is uh, what, you, one, what you make out of it. Exactly. And it's, it's a great example to show to your students as well. And the more enthusiastic you are, the more enthusiastic they'll be. Now, I want to look a bit at... Um, the internet and the world of of social media and for me as somebody who who's learning it's since the the pandemic things have been great online in terms of learning um and as a as a teacher i've learned so much from so many opportunities from people across the world um i was wondering how has it affected your teaching in the classroom, this like global expansion of, of training that seemed to have come washing in. I mean, my, my resources are definitely, I've definitely got a lot more resources than, than I ever had before. That's one thing. And it has also, I think it's been an eye-opener 
for my students to see mm -hmm. that um, I, it's, it sounds a bit cliche at this point and, and like a broken tape recorder that we're not just English teachers. I mean, they, I, I share with them, you know, um, people that I've, that I work with, I've had um, colleagues based elsewhere in the world who've come in through Zoom into my classes and it's been such an eye opener for my students because they just see, wow, there's so much more to English teaching and, you know, their own teacher training than the university. You know, there's just so much more to that and that um, you can learn so much about teaching through networking and hanging out, so to speak, with, with other teachers working in other parts of the world. For, Makes for your me, job I, less lonely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. And for me, I found this um, really useful, as you mentioned, to my students, because, you know, being able to to bring in other voices into your classes. And there's something I've worked with a lot of schools around the, the world with. Um, I've got, you know, a few teachers that I work with in, there's a few in Poland and some in, there's a few in, in Turkey. There are some uh, in, in Latvia and just teachers all over the world who have now connected like this and they do sessions where all their students get together they all meet each other and there is this kind of this mix of, of culture and it, it's, it's all done in English it's you know based around English but I remember I joined one recently and it was all about New Year's resolutions and so they were talking about the, the resolutions they have in different parts of the world and the ideas they had for you know a more sustainable um, New Year's resolution and stuff like that and it's just wonderful to see these opportunities that are opening up. And I imagine in your role as a teacher trainer, your trainee teachers can can get so much out of this. Yeah, I mean, Dave, we've had um, we've had um, sessions. I had um, last summer semester I worked, I joined up with a colleague whom I met online through, um, I don't know if you know him, David Heathfield, he does um, storytelling and he ran a storytelling course for language teachers. And I, I met Glenda in that mm -hmm. course and she's based in Peru. And what we did then was um, we we both had, say, a, you know, a course on conversation, a conversation course. And we put our students together and my students had to speak English to these Peruvian students and the Peruvian students had to speak English to my students and there was, you know, English was the medium and they shared so much on about, you know, each other's culture They 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 gained so much from that. So as learners, they, they, they benefited, you know, from being forced to speak English and then also from the, um, you know, if they reflect on it when they see what, you know, can be done, you know, to encourage authentic use of language because my students they're all going to be teachers they'll see that you know the opportunities are there you just have to look for them and it's it's so good that most of well, no not most but a lot of these opportunities come for for our for our learners and for other teachers as well like training teachers to see and understand that being an english teacher is is more than just being a native speaker because you know when we look at elt teachers we we often have this image of you know an english teacher is that native speaker who who's gone on holiday uh, a long holiday yeah and and we completely forget 
that that well, I, I say we. I mean, people completely forget the vast majority of English teachers um, who didn't become English teachers by doing the CELTA course, but they, they did in fact study their entire school lives and went to university. They just don't happen to have uh, a British or an Australian passport. You know, perhaps they've got mm. a Polish passport or or a French passport. And when people talk about this, just an English teacher, it's ignoring all of those people who are such amazing teachers. And that's what I really love about this this expansion that, that, that happened, um, being able to just really show how deep the, the level of English teaching is and how how far it spreads. You know, so you don't have to be a native speaker to do it. And you're just seeing these glorious teachers across the world. You know, and I'm going to say most of them are much better teachers than I am, you know, mm. but, but it's, it's that thing of being just an English teacher. It's like, no, if you're talking about qualifications, most English teachers in the world have amazing qualifications. Yep. And, and not just that, I mean, with, English teaching, you can diversify in so many different directions. You know, you mm -hmm. can do so many different things. It's it's not just about, you know, going in with a, an English language textbook and standing in front of a class and, and drilling them, you know, in various different structures. I, I know people, like you said, you know, who qualified, who are qualified teachers, done lots of training non-native speakers and diversify to become instructional designers mm -hmm. right they're instructional designers you've got other people who've written books they've gone into materials development writing lesson plans to share with with other teachers and um then you see you know so many of them who you know as as they're diversifying as they're you know, doing, you know, finding their niche, so to speak, then they go into further training, do, you know, doing another MA or doing a PhD or people who choose to do the Delta or any kind of diploma. It's something that they, you know, they've put a lot of thought into, you know, because they want to become better teachers and because they need to, you know, in order to progress. It's, like I said, it's a very difficult journey for English teachers. It is, and and that's another thing that's often kind of forgotten the, you know, the the personal investment, not only in money but also in time. If you mm. if you do want to be, you know, if you do want to be a career English teacher, as it were, you you can't skirt around and and, and learn nothing more than you learn on your CELTA and just pick it up day by day. You do have to invest time and often money into yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. And English, I find many, many, all, in fact, almost every English teacher I know, every Tefler, to use that term, they're amazing people. They're creative. They are so creative because they're you're out there on your own, you know. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and I, I like the the point as well of of teachers diversifying. This was a, a conversation I talked about a bit last week. Now, you know, I do a, a fair bit of materials writing and teacher training, but I would still consider myself first and foremost as a teacher. You know, that's, mm. I, I do fewer hours of teaching a week than I do of writing. 
I earn considerably less money. Um, well, in the fact that my my lessons are volunteer lessons, so they're free. Um, so of course, uh, but yeah, I still see myself fundamentally as a teacher and a good teacher. That. Well, oh, thank you. I'm blushing. You can't see it because I've got a ginger beard covering up all the blushing, but I definitely <laughs> am. I'm as red as a tomato. Um, oh. There we go. Um, I, st- I stole your one there. I stole that from <laughs> you, obviously, from one of your your online comments. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about um, teachers, the views of the outside, the views of um other professionals, as it were, other teachers. Now, I'd, I'd like to, the last thing if we could talk about it is the view of the student to us as just English teachers, I've said again with, with the inverted commas, because I know that it depends very much on the situation because I went to, I worked in a private school and one of the students literally said to me, you can't tell me what to do, I pay your wages, um, which was went down very very well Uh, I definitely sat down and took that from that uh that 12 year old student absolutely I did um so yeah how can we avoid that view from our from our students what can we do as teachers to show them we're not just English teachers I mean that's 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 what it all boils down to because if if a teacher does have that view well I'm just your you know, your summer school English teacher, then then it's going to flow over into the classroom as well. You know, the, mm-hmm. the students are going to see it. But, you know, if you, you know, walk with your head up high, you know, develop your own sense of professionalism, you know, um, look like you know what you're doing, you know. At least pretend. At least pretend, but you know, you've got to have the confidence. It, it all starts with you. It all starts with you because honestly, if you really do think, well, I'm just the English teacher, then, you know, um, you, you've lost all credibility there. You know, it's, it's kind of like the plumber who comes in to fix, you know, the piping in your house. You, you don't see the plumber ringing on your doorbell going, hi, I'm just a plumber coming here to fix your your broken pipes you know he rings the doorbell and with authority he goes i'm here to fix your broken pipes and you let him in you don't you know you don't think twice about it you've touched on a very sore nerve there dj tomato Um, i was never a plumber no um i was never even just a plumber but we did have (laughs) on the 21st of december there was a leak in one of our pipes so we we called the insurance and they said no problem we'll send them right out after Christmas, because you know you need to. It, it was right above our oven in the in the kitchen. Mm. So on the 29th, he came and had a look and was like, "Oh, I can't really fix that." So then he had to wait for all of the furniture to be removed from the kitchen. So they had to call the carpenter to come in and remove all the furniture from the kitchen for him to then go up and fix the pipe. Um, so he fixed that, and then we had to wait for the plasterer to come in to fix it. Um, and then we had to wait for the painter to come in to paint over it. And we are now, we, we've had all that done. We're now in the final process of the carpenter coming back to put all of the the webless, the furniture, um, the kitchen furniture, mm-hmm. the kitchen cabinets and the oven all back in place. So at the moment, our oven is in the garden. Um, so, mm. yeah, 
you, you mentioned a plumber coming along. Now you, you've, you've touched on something there. Um, oh, it was too, it's too much. I've, I've broken yeah. down. Um, so yeah, we, we've I have been to living say, for though, a while without an oven. Go on ahead. Go ahead. Oh, you have to say. Um, I have to say. It. I have to say. Um, you know, we've we've been talking about you know teachers holding their heads up high and being proud of their job. And like I said, it's an ideal world. There will be. You will have. You know, like in every profession, you know, that small percentage of people who are, you know, just sailing through, waffling through, you know, it's a stopgap. You know, yeah. we have it. I mean, I, I had, back to the plumbers, I, I had some dodgy plumbers come and um, do something in my toilets and then they charged us like 2,000 euros and in the end they weren't Oof. even real plumbers because they didn't fix the problem. And it turned out that this was such a scam. So you have people like that. Yeah. You know, um, and and it's it's people like that who taint the profession or who taint, you know, the job titles that that we have. And as you say, they are in in every aspect of life, aren't they? Yeah. Um, all politicians, for example, they've tainted that for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> but obviously in some professions there are more than those. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely right. Um, the 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 name is often uh, the profession, as you say, is often sullied because of these these few events that happen, and and it is because in a lot of academies, when it comes to TEFL teaching, people do breeze in for a year and out again, and and it's hard. But I think it's also a lot down to the the academy or the the place of work as to how they treat their teachers they treat them as being more than just teachers so from mm. the employer point of view that makes a huge difference i would if i had been treated better in a lot of the establishments i'd worked in i would probably have lasted longer than a year and a half or two years um because there was often you know no training or you know yep. excessive hours or you know often or bosses, bosses that were bullies and stuff like that. And if, you know, the, the, it came from above and teachers were treated then more than just people who come in to do the classes, then that would often kind of help eradicate this issue as well. And I think um, that's why also, I mean, another way to kind of raise the profile of the profession or, you know, you know, give people an awareness that that it is it isn't just English teaching. is is the awards that that you know different associations um, have, right? You've got the Eltons. You know mm -hmm. when you know it, it really raises the profile. It highlights that English teaching isn't just going in with a textbook, teaching the tenses and drilling left, right, and center. Um, TESOL itself has. Their awards, their various different awards. Ayatevel has has awards, and they have their conferences, and um, and it's you know um, the publishers have it as well. Macmillan does the Simon Grinnell Award, right, mm -hmm. to help teachers who want to establish themselves. And um, you haven't got that for plumbers, have you? Well, no, Plumber of the Year Award. I don't know. Um, you, you mentioned a lot of awards there. There's a. a um, I'm. I'm going to do a humble brag now. Um, Renewable English was nominated uh, for uh, for Say, which is the uh, one of the uh, teaching associations here in Spain, um, one of the big ones. Uh, they have uh, nominated me for the 
the Green Action Award. So um, on the 24th of February, I'll be I'll be going along to that. So you're absolutely right. These, Congratulations. Well, oh, thanks very much. You know, I've been nominated, so I don't know if I'll win. Um, I'm hopeful, but not expectant. Um, I, I have to admit, so you mentioned the Eltons before, and, you know, a project that I worked on was was a finalist at the Eltons, and it, it, was, it received a, a judge's commendation for climate action. So that was great, but that was working alongside a publisher. This is like a nomination for Renewable English. So if I feel yeah. a lot more invested in it. Um, and I, I didn't mind that as a finalist, you know, that the previous one hadn't mm-hmm. won. I was happy to be a finalist, but I think I'll be a bit sad if I don't win. But of course, you know, whoever does win, it's fantastic news. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely to have been nominated. And as you say, it... And, and things like that, and the letters I received from the school in Poland really do show you that you aren't just an English teacher. When you receive the the Teacher of the Year award and you read the feedback that your students give you, you know that you're not just a teacher. You're a lot more than that. Or the conversations you have with, you know, I'm sure you have that as well, the conversations we have online with colleagues or, you know, the conversations I have with students who've graduated and who are now teachers themselves um you it it's empowering it's empowering Mm -hmm. it gives you such an awareness that that you're not in this alone you know you're not in this alone and your strength your success isn't yours alone but it it really comes from from your community of practice from the people you know you hang out with just make sure you hang out with the right people Exactly that, um, and that's one of the like one of our final thoughts there. Um, for me, that that community is so important because you often think of a teacher as being kind of a, you know, you, one person in the classroom in front of the students, and you know, you you kind of forget all of the stuff that comes behind it. Um, so it's it's so important to think about your your staff room, wherever your staff room may be. If it's a an, a Zoom room online with people from across the globe, or you know, if it's a physical staff room that's there, um, that's it, it's so important to to think about your team and and remember that you know none of us are just teachers. You know, we're all a lot more than that. Mm. And on that note, I am going to allow you to depart. I'm going to go and have a salad, which I'm certain contains tomatoes because I got some mm. tomatoes from the green. Nice red today. tomatoes um indeed so uh, i'm going to say thank you so much for for coming on it's it's been a pleasure it's been really lovely as i knew it would be it was lovely talking to you and i think i will see you in harrogate won't i I, i'm afraid you won't see me in harrogate (gasps) this year scandalous I, i know it's outrageous um being a being a freelancer i'm i'm not particularly able to to pay for the time to get there but i think more importantly my my daughter is going to speak at her first ever event um just a couple of days after harrogate so we have to go to to barcelona where my where my nine-year-old will speak at the the world retail congress nice so that's kind of my that's my that's the reason i won't be there but but our paths will cross again i no but doubt there you go you're not just an english teacher you're also a dad and a big supporter of your own kids, just like I am of my kids. 
Exactly. And with that note, I'll let you get back to your kids. I'll go and get back to mine. Um, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Talk to you soon. You will. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.